now have David Bowie's Heroes in my head because I just finished watching Jojo Rabbit. And um, I used to f- be against um, movies that take place, say, in the 40s, but then have music that didn't exist at the time, you know, music that would have been made in the future. But now I'm, uh, like, I'm watching Peaky Blinders, they did that all the time. Um, but now I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it as long as the song captures the emotion of the moment in the movie. And, you know, and hey, it's a movie. You can kind of do whatever you want, um, especially these days with the way technology is. And um, so with the Bowie song, which is a great song, and he recorded in Germany too, so maybe that's why. And then it was it was it was sung in German, so I'm sure that's why um, uh, Taika Waititi used that. Um, but you know the the way that music can evoke emotions, and the way that movies can evoke emotions. And if you've been listening to this podcast, I've said it multiple times how much the reason why I love music and movies so much. And then I named this podcast that. Um, is because they helped me feel. And boy, did this movie help me feel. And it was such a roller coaster of feelings. And then, you know, after the Bowie song, how the um, the Rilke quote like just kind of cemented what the movie was about, you know, about feeling. I don't have it in front of me, but um, I'll get it later. And And that's what this movie did. It was a roller coaster of emotions, how it can take contradictions. It can take one of the most horrifying events in human history, you know, the Holocaust. And within that world, still have you laugh. Um, and this movie was very, very funny. If, if you were to tell me, if you were to speak to me about the plot, you know, it's, oh, it's about... Uh, 10-year-old Hitler youth who has Hitler for an imaginary friend, and it's towards the end of World War II. Oh, and meanwhile, they're hiding a Jewish person um, in in the house. And I'd be like, oh, oh, and it's a comedy, by the way. And it's like, what? You know? But then when you, when I saw the trailer, like, even though it's, it's about Hitler, and I'm laughing now, even though it's about Hitler, it's just the way he was portrayed and and you can hold these two emotions at the same time you can hold the horror of who hitler was and what nazism is um and it sucks that i have to say is instead of what nazism was um but it it's holding that horror but then just laughing at the Hitler character and the, the ridiculous things he was doing and how, you know, obviously the Hitler character wasn't really Hitler. It was the imagination of this boy, but it was that, and it was the way Watiti used this as, you know, the, um, the unhealthy voice, the destructive thoughts that people have, or it's sometimes the positive thoughts. You know, it was, it was the mind of this boy, um, uh, in the the image of Hitler, you know, probably because 
that doesn't have a father, and he was searching for a father figure throughout the movie, as it was shown with the Sam Rockwell character. Um, so, so how how what this movie did, how it can take you through all these emotions, sometimes all at once. And that's just great writing, that's great directing, that's great filmmaking, and it's daring. It's it's very daring subject matter, and you've got to be careful with that kind of thing. And I think um, Taika Waititi just really did it brilliantly. Um, and speaking of brilliant, the, the acting, I mean, the acting all around was great in it, but, I mean, my hat has to go off to... Um, to uh, Roman, what's is it? Roman, to uh, Roman Griffin Davis. Wait, let me make sure. Yeah, Roman Griffin Davis, who played, who, who played JoJo. I mean, it was his movie. Um, just, just what a powerhouse of of a performance. Um, just what, what a just the 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 movie. It was just such such a believable character. Um, and so well written to encompass um, what this boy going through just these extraordinary circumstances was um, was going through, and just his comedic timing and his dramatic chops, all of that. I mean, all the acting, the the kid who played Yorkie. It's like, oh my god, you know, just just how they bounced off each other, and just the performances were just um, was was really really good. Um, so so yeah. Um, and it, it, it kind of goes along with, you know, I, I, I was having a conversation with some friends and we were talking, we were talking about Quentin Tarantino and talking about how, you know, when, when there's a Quentin Tarantino movie, it's like, oh, it doesn't matter who's starring in it. It's a Quentin Tarantino movie. You're going to go see it or I'm going to go see it. And this friend said that, well, you're not going to have that anymore. You know, it's the auteur. You, you know, you, uh, movies aren't like that anymore. It, you're not just going to go see a movie because a director that's dying. You know, Scorsese, how much time does he have left? And Quentin Tarantino is thinking of not making movies. And Spielberg is getting older. Lucas doesn't work anymore, you know. Um, but I will counter that with, with Taika Waititi's work. Um, the work that I have seen, obviously, aside from Jojo Rabbit, Thor Ragnarok, and I'm not a big superhero movie guy, especially the the Marvel stuff. I find them derivative. I find them predictable. I loved Thor Ragnarok. I thought it was just so unique and so funny and so off the wall. Um, uh, he all oh, and just speaking of off the wall, just what we do in the shadows. Oh my God, was the movie and the TV show are just brilliant brilliant stuff so um and now he's working on something new so um so yeah now i have to see um what other movies did he do and it's so weird because like he's around my age eagle vs shark never saw it boy never saw it what we do in the shadows hunt for wilder people never saw it um but you know it, it motivates me to to see these things and then he also um did some short films, and then, you know, and then it goes over his, his acting roles. He, uh, oh, and he directed a Mandalorian episode, Chapter 8, Redemption. What was that one about? Yeah, that was, like, one of the last ones. Yeah, that was the last one. And that was one of the best ones. So, so there you go. So I saw more Taika Waititi than I thought. And then, um, I also heard he might be doing Star Wars as well. 
So that would be fantastic. Um, but yeah, so so back so back to Jojo Rabbit. Um, again, it it kind of it it kind of at least, and, and I'm thinking of the the Sam Rockwell character. Now here's a guy who probably did unspeakable things in war, but then you saw, you know, you saw almost his turn and just how, um, I don't know if the right word is bitter or just how much in despair he was. And he, and he was slowly killing himself anyway with all the drinking he was doing. I'm sure he had PTSD. But the scenes where he, two scenes where he saved the lives, he saved the life of, um, of, um, of Elsa and he saved the life of Jojo, saved the life of Jojo twice. Um, so you saw that, you saw that in him. And then, you know, when, when he accepted when it was time for him to die, um, that that would be it. And then he, he saved Jojo at the end as well, um, from possibly being shot by the Russians. So, um, and Sam Rockwell's just a great actor as well. Now, Captain um, uh, Klesendorf, his character would have made for an interesting movie because there was a homosexual subtext in it with um, the guy from Game of Thrones. I'm forgetting his name. Um, the character he played was... Um, Finkel was the character's name. And... Um, Nazis killed homosexuals. So um, I would imagine that they had a relationship, just that's what the, the film was hinting at. Um, so it would, it would be an interesting character study because here we have two Nazis and they contradict what the Nazi parties want them to be. And at least with, um, with Captain Klesendorf... In the middle where he saves Elsa, who is the antithesis of the, the Nazi party. Uh, uh, Elsa is um, Jewish, who the Nazis obviously want to kill. And he saves her. And then at the end, um, even though uh, Jojo was a Nazi, uh, I guess probably the point in the movie was that he was just a child. He didn't know any better. And Klesendorf did so maybe this was Klesendorf's um you know trying to have some kind of penance at the end of his life and maybe the scenes we saw Klesendorf in was him trying to cope all the drinking um you didn't see what he went through in war but you can you know you can tell by his face you know that he was through a lot so um, that just would have been, I don't know about a whole movie, but, but definitely like a half-hour episode of just the character study of, uh, of Klesendorf and Finkel. And the movie kind of did just enough of Klesendorf to get you to know him and just enough to kind of leave you, to kind of leave you wanting more. You know, and it's, and it's what if, it's what would have happened if Klesendorf survived. Well, I mean, he, he probably would have been, uh, in prison, killed. Uh, he was probably just too high a rank of Nazi. Um, but had he survived, uh, maybe been imprisoned, or or it, had he lived longer, 
what he would have thought 10 years from from the end of the war, 20, 30 years from the end of the war, um, if he was able to confess all of his sins. And then the relationship between Jojo and his mother, you know, it was kind of like how well they played off each other. Like Scarlett Johansson was, was, was excellent in it, you know, and how the mother wanted to protect him, obviously, because the mother was part of a a resistance movement. Um, But then, like, it just, you know, within the comedy aspects of the Gestapo and Stephen Merchant and how funny he is, but then it shows the evil that they did, just hanging um, someone just like that, um, leaving a son behind. um, And him finding out from out of nowhere and that was just you know talk about a scene that was just emotionally um heavy was when he saw her hanging and then tied her shoes and then and then hugged her you know so and then it makes you wonder um what's next for uh for jojo and elsa where do they go you know after their their dance what do they do in in post-war germany what kind of lives do they do they live it would be interesting to see a a flash forward you know if they would remain friends which i'm sure they would you know um so um yeah so it's just um yeah just just one of those movies that was a a roller coaster of emotions and just kind of sticks with you and then one aspect and 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 i think the good job that the comedy did and how the comedy was on different levels were the descriptions from Jojo about Jewish people and especially, and then from Elsa kind of feeding him into those myths and then the other Germans saying, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, so with the kid, the kid, Jojo really believes it as well as Yorkie. Because they're kids, so they're told something, they believe it, sometimes, sometimes. Um, And then you figure the adults wouldn't believe it, but they would want to propagate that so the kids can believe it, so the kids can, you know, be better soldiers. But then, like, I think of conspiracy theories now, especially now with what's going on in the United States, um, with these ridiculous conspiracy theories with no basis in reality just like thrown out there i'm not even going to mention what they are but um but people believe them like people genuinely believe them and then there's people who don't believe them but then use them for their own benefit so in the describing of jewish people um it like i just started laughing i started laughing at how ridiculous the, the description was and the fact that people would believe this kind of thing because uh, a person of authority, not an expert, mind you, but a person of authority tells them with no evidence, no proof. They just say something, you know. And and since I'm a uh, citizen of the United States of America, I'm quite familiar with um, people of authority just spouting stuff off, um, uh, you know, President Trump in particular, people believe him because it just comes out of his mouth. So I was laughing at those descriptions because it was so ridiculous, but then laughing at the fact and and saddened and scared. So again, it's all those emotions at once. So it's fear, it's it's 
happiness and its anger all at once at the descriptions of of Jewish people because it just it shows the the strength of of words and propaganda and stories and you know and and the description of Jewish people hits home for me because my dad's side of the family is Jewish and it was um it was a very young age that um I saw a holocaust um TV show. It was a TV movie called Escape from Sobibor. And it was very, very violent. I remember Rucker Hauer was in it. Rucker Hauer played a Russian troop who was um, captured and, and held prisoner in, in a concentration camp. And it was very, very violent, especially for a TV movie. And then, you know, it told about the, the escape of, um, of people held uh, captive in the camp. And I remember, like, watching it going, well, why, why are these bad things happening? And I think it was, it was probably my dad who said, well, it's because, you know, they're Jewish. And, um, I mean, I'm an atheist now, but I, I guess I would be considered a Jew because I was bar mitzvahed. Um, my family, um, half my family are Jewish, so I guess I would be considered one, especially being bar mitzvahed, even though I don't believe in, in, in a God now. Um, but at, at a young age that really hit home. It's like people are being killed because because of a religion and a religion that I happened to have shared at the time. So that stuck with me. And then as I got older, I started learning about how this government who used Jews as a scapegoat and who hated Jews um, rose to power, how they took power, and why it's important for something like that never to happen again. So um, I uh, that movie really, really opened my eyes to not only the horror of it, but then learning how to prevent something like that happening again. And it's it's learning how it's done, and then it's speaking out. It's especially speaking out while things are still calm. Uh, you know, when any hint of something like that starts to, you know, starts to rise up, that's when you say something. And even if it's not happening to to you, if it's happening to another group of people, but it's the same tactics, you especially have to say something. You especially have to speak out and and say, I I know of these tactics and I'm going to do all I can to make sure that this doesn't happen. You know, and one of those things, again, not only to speak out, is to organize and is to vote the people out who may believe this kind of thing before it's too late, you know. And even if it is too late, it's, you know, and and Jojo Rabbit kind of um, alludes to that. You know, it's just, you know, you just keep going. You keep going every day. You know, you feel that feeling's going to subside and you keep going. And within that horror, you find joy and you find solidarity and you find togetherness. So even in the midst of a pandemic where, I mean, I hope, (laughs) I hope most people are still in quarantine and practicing, you know, staying within their pods, at least we have technology to get together and to organize and to kind of work on things. This is an election year, folks, you know, so you, uh, you organize and you fight and you always, always, always keep going. You know, it has to be, it has to be a habit. 
So, you know, and then it's learning how government works and learning how civics work. So if they try to pull a fast one on you, you can identify it, which is, you know, I've been ending this podcast since the pandemic started about how to the importance of getting information from credible sources. Um, Because if an authority says something and it goes against the evidence, at least you'll know and at least you'll be able to push back with all your might push back. Um, So. You know, I, I, where I am in New York on Long Island, there's a, um, a big population of immigrants. And when Trump was, was um, spouting his, you know, well, he always has, but especially with his anti-immigrant um, rhetoric, uh, and, he, and he was threatening them with, with ICE coming and raiding them, you know, even though someone may be undocumented, they still have rights. So it's knowing those rights, and it's doing your best to protect them using the law, um, the way Trump is trying to use the, the law to, uh, to, to deport these people, you know. So it's, um, it's knowing, and it's fighting, and it's recognizing when authoritarianism takes shape. And now with Trump trying to, you know, defund the post office so people can't vote, that is a big red flag. So, um, so read some books on that. Read some bo- uh, on tyranny by um, oh god, his first name, last name is Snyder. Um, read that. You know, read good sources of history to show how uh, regimes, authoritarian regimes, started taking power. It's rarely, if ever, very very fast. It's incremental, so you don't even see it coming, and then the next thing you know. You know, you're no longer free. So, um, so yeah. So, I don't know how I got to this point, but it's it's a point that the movie made clear. Um, oh, about its comedy, with its comedy, and through that comedy, there was a serious message. So, hey, you know, if a serious message message is cloaked in comedy, where it can be more digestible for people. I'll take it as long as you can learn something, use that to inspire you, and keep going forward. And if you want to keep going forward with this with this podcast, you can find me on Twitter at MMAM Podcast, on Facebook at MMAM Podcast, and you can email me at MMAM Podcast at gmail.com. And um, like I said before, when um, getting your news and getting your your information, even before the pandemic, but especially now that we're in a pandemic and information is literally life or death, use credible sources of news. And the most credible sources of news come from newspapers or the digital versions of the newspapers. So it's something like New York Times, USA Today, Washington Post. Um, if you're more more of an audio person, BBC Global News Podcast is excellent. NPR up first if you want your news in the morning. That's very good, too. So um, those are some really good sources to get you the news you need in order to be well-informed. Because if you're well-informed, um, knowledge is a very powerful thing. Yeah. So stay powerful, damn it. And... Um, I'll see you, well, not see you, but hopefully you'll hear me on the next episode. So take care, everyone. Take care of each other. Wear a mask. Practice social distancing. Wash your hands. 
Stay safe, stay careful, and until next time, bye.